Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, my man? Just enjoying the day. The weather's still nice today. Um, uh, no flying. I did do some, um, I, I think we talked about that last, but I did do some flying last weekend. That was about it. Yeah, yeah. Has the weather been good for you or has it not been so good? It's nice. It's nice. The weather's nice, um, decent. You know, you can tell we're getting into that fall season. Uh, we're starting to hit mid, uh, mid-70s. mid and but it's nice. I mean, I, I I'm even I even got a photo from a client last night where he was sitting out on his patio, had his foot up on the fire pit. Yeah. Took a photo. It was the dopest photo I even posted on Facebook. He just said, thank you. Nice. <laughs> that's cool, dude. That's yeah. that's 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 what it's all about, dude. That's it, getting those. I love getting those those things social media wise. And you see the family out there and they just say thank you. And you're like, that's why we do it. That's why it's all worth it. It's totally cool. That's awesome. Uh, exciting side here in Pennsylvania. I, I ordered my boxing gloves. They came in and I'm ready to go now. I couldn't go till that's what they told me. They said, bring your own gloves and then you're ready to go. So I said, all right, let's see how this goes. So, uh, I'm planning on either tonight, if I get a free minute to go, if not absolutely tomorrow night to get started in this journey and see where it takes me. But, uh, yeah. So if I come back next time and I don't speak right, you might be doing the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just hold up cards. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe you're it's going awesome. this route, but Hey, it is what it is. Oh yeah, dude. That's right, man. I got to go out there and see what it's all about. So I'm going to go out there and get my ass kicked. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll learn something for sure. I love that. It's life, right? It'll chew you up and spit you out, but you're better because of it. So today we've got a special guest, uh, Mike Hillman. He's uh, He owns Hillman Outdoor Living in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, he's been, he was one of our students and he just does some amazing stuff. You know, he's, he's driven by passion. He's really, uh, he's really changing the game down in Texas. And I know their market's exploding right now and I'd love to hear about what's happening there. So that's why we have him on the podcast here. So without any further ado, hey Mike, welcome on. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Thanks for having me. So, um, being on a podcast with you guys, it's, it's some of the greatest minds in the outdoor living business. So I appreciate you having, having me on the show. I certainly appreciate that. And I'd never, you know, get tired of hearing that. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that. So, um, why don't we start out with the the simple stuff? So how did you get into this industry? What's, what was your trigger? Is this something you started with or is this something you found yourself in? What what really happened, how I really got into this and I've I've dug deeper in this uh, over the, over the years. And, um, as kids, I got a bunch of siblings, so I have four other siblings, so it's five, including me. <clears throat> we actually had a, a space in our backyard. We had a pool, nothing fancy, the little patio cover all growing up. But man, that space was filled with laughter, fun, memories, just such good memories of my childhood that that was really kind of where my passion came from for helping clients really have the the opportunity to have and create those memories as well. Um, and, you know, it started out, I started out with a landscape business and 
um, you know, all the clients wanted me to start doing other stuff and just really got to the stone, you know, stone outdoor living hardscape side and just loved it. Loved seeing the, you know, transforming a backyard from just a terrible place where they don't even want to walk out back to a place they spend more time in than their own house. I love that. Yeah. Hey, Mike, as us installers and designers, um, at least I know I do, I have like a favorite spot in the outdoor living space. What would you say that the most favorite spot that you have in the outdoor living spaces that you design? What's what's the spot that you like the most? So um, my favorite spot, and, and, and you can see it in, in all my designs, is the patio cover space. The space that people can make um, use out of it all four seasons to depending on where you're at, we, we can make it usable all four seasons. And it's just something to get you out in nature. A lot of people are working from home now and it, it's just a space you can sit in, be peaceful and tranquil. And, but you still have all the elements around you and wind and rain. And, you know, you're just protected from all that, but you're still able to experience it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And you know what? I love your passion. And then you are dialed in when it comes to the why. You're dialed into what you're doing and what your mission is. And I know so many I hear in the industry that are looking for the next job or the next paver patio or the next this, but you know, you get it, dude. It's about creating those spaces that you can create memories in. And since it comes from your childhood, you know, I, I know it's even deeper in you. So that's that's awesome, dude. Anybody listening, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about creating those spaces for those families and adding that value because at the end of the day, that's what it's all, that's why we're doing it. That's really the main thing there. So mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about the Texas market. You know, I'm in Pennsylvania, Dwayne's in Chicago. You say four seasons. It's something that we strive for here in these areas, but you guys actually have a better chance of making that happen. So mm-hmm. tell us about your your customers, what they're looking for and how the, how the market is in Texas right now. So the market in Texas is just as hot as can be, especially on the Fort Worth side of DFW. Um, most of the clients coming in are coming in from, California, Oregon, Washington, um, New York. Um, there's actually quite a few coming in from Florida, um, but just all these transplants that are just running to um, our market because of one, the taxes here are are very favorable, um, but two, you know, the landscape, what you get for living here is just, you get all of it. And having DFW airport, you can be able to travel all over the country. Um, but, and what we're seeing is really a, a big increase in three to 600,000 homes. Um, that's really the big increase we've seen. So bigger homes, more mediums, you know, in that middle ground, upper, you know, middle to upper class, um, but just blowing out. I mean, they can't, a lot of the builders here have actually moved only to spec. So they're building the house, designing it, no input from the clients and they have, a 250 person wait list. Um, so if you don't like that design of that house and you say no, wow, it's on to the next person. Wow, what a market to be in, holy moly. How has that uh, changed your approach and how you uh, you know work with customers? What are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of new construction in your builds or are you seeing a lot more you know older homes that people are buying and wanting them to personalize them to the architecture and to their lifestyle and the way they want it? Because I know outdoor living was not a big thing back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It's really kind of transitioned right around the turn of the century. So mm-hmm. um, how are you seeing that change with such a demand for new construction? Right now, it's definitely a lot of people buying older homes and, and rehabbing it. And I love that because we have a lot of beautiful neighborhoods in Fort Worth. Um, there's a lot of new construction, but new construction is not necessarily outdoor living friendly. 
the budget the budget on the initial side is they always blow the budget on the inside and then call us to fix what the builder did on the outside later on um so you know builder builders do a great job building houses but outdoor living um is not their specialty but they 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 give it a shot so um but yeah it's definitely renovating uh existing homes older homes from 30s 40s 50s 60s 70s and um just creating you know, beautiful space of, for families to just have good memories. Yeah. Mike, you're right. I, I watched a builder. They, to me, I, I watch them lose, like drop the ball on some things. Like there's a neighborhood, even around here, they built these houses about 700, 800,000. Okay. Beautiful home. All the architecture is where it's supposed to be. And then the front, the front walkway and steps and everything it's these cmu blocks that doesn't match any of the yeah. material in the home and i'm like yeah. how the fuck did you guys drop the ball right here how did you drop it right here like and then why did you give it to landscaper bob you mean to finish it up like are you guys seeing that in your area oh yeah man all, all the time and landscaper bob is usually not even a landscaper he's just a guy with with a bunch of guys labor guys working for him and just going by some sort of plan and making it happen as cheap as possible. And, you know, the homeowner is going to just end up ripping that out uh, at the end of the day. And um, that's where it's a little frustrating seeing these, especially I have a lot of new builders doing outdoor kitchens and doing them incorrectly and using the cheapest of the cheap grill that the clients can end up having to spend double or triple to rip that grill out and recut the whole kitchen and, um, so that's where they're, they're really missing out. Yeah. The, the three of us can sit here and bitch about it all day long, but what do you think <laughs> would be a solution, um, for that? What do you think? Well, the solution would be is to offer some sort of outside financing and bring in an outdoor living company to really kind of design it, whether they build it or not right then, they at least have a master plan of what it's going to look like eventually and, and what they could do. And they have a budget for building it now. And so they have an idea of where, where that's going to be. I love that. And, and Mike, you, you don't just build awesome outdoor living spaces. You also have a stone yard, correct? Yeah. So I have a retail stone yard. We sell pretty much all the products that we install from natural stone to river rock to gravel mulch. Uh, we sell it to all the contractors in our space as well. And we're really big on building up young contractors and, and really servicing them. And, and, and we really take pride in serving our community and, and just really being them and being that support for them so they can really build beautiful stuff. I love that. That's really cool. So how long, how many years have you been doing this, Mike? How, how long has this been part of your journey? A long time. So I opened the, the stone yard in 2005. I was doing construction in 2003, 2002. So, um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm an old young man in the game. <laughs> so I've been, I've been doing it. I've been doing it a lot longer than I care to admit. So I think the three of us are like that. I think that's sort of what happens. I I'm actually at retirement age. I'm only 45. But I'm I'm at retirement age of landscaping. Like I can actually retire yeah. and say I put in 20 years of this shit. You know what I mean? Like this is I can actually I think I started like at eight years old, so I can put more than 20. I'm at retirement. You know what I mean? And I think all of us are like that. And here's the here's the crazy part. Yeah, I'm at retirement, but I feel like I just fucking figured it out. Yep. <laughs> so now I want to do like 10 more just to yeah. show motherfuckers that I know how to do this shit. Oh man, isn't that the yeah. truth? So Mike, so go ahead, McDoin. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm sorry. A question. So when you are at these outdoor living spaces, 
are you getting real outdoor living spaces in the backyards or are you still seeing paper patio phone calls? Like, do you understand the difference in that? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we don't do basic. So um, we take in all of our information and we run them through the process that, that, you know, we've learned, you know, through, you know, the outdoor living um, class and uh, we run them fully through that process. We vet them. So before we even go out there, you know, we have a phone call with them. We get exactly what they want. We go over budgets and what things cost. And so if that client is looking for Joe Blow and he's going to get seven to 10 bids and just waste everybody's time. And, you know, we, we absolutely brush them off. Rarely are we just going to do like a, a paver patio, those kind of things. We actually through the stone yard, we'll actually pass those on to our customers. So that way they can build up their reputation and build up what they're doing and, and have some lead flow into their business. That's, that's fantastic. And you know, Mike, that's, I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that I've had a, a bunch of um, people reach out from the industry that are getting started in lawn care now, and they want to get into outdoor living and they, they just, or they just started out doing maybe one or two patios and they are jacked. Like they're excited. You know, you're probably listening to the podcast right now, guys, you know who you are, right? Just can't wait to get started and get their hands around this industry because <laughs> it's so much fun and so cool and makes, you can take such great pictures and all that good stuff. But point is, yeah, they, they call up and they say, Josh, like, how do we get started? Like, I don't know how to get the phone to ring. Like how to, right now my website says lawn mowing and maybe some maintenance, whatever. I want to get in. How do we do it? And man, you nailed it on the head. I tell each and every one of them the same thing. I said, dude, if you want to get started quick in this industry and you want to build a portfolio and build a reputation, go to somebody like Mike, right? And be like, hey, I'm hungry. I want to get out and get started in the outdoor living industry. How do I do it? Go talk to you. You say, look, these leads aren't something that I'm interested in for my company, but you know what? These would be great for you to get started. You can start building a portfolio, all of that stuff. The things that you find as quote unquote junk that you're not interested in looking at would be gold for them. So why not work out some kind of a conversation and, and then you can mm -hmm. prove, they can prove to you that they're willing to do it. They're men, men and women of their word. They're great at customer service or taking care of your customers that are calling you first. Pull on your shirt tails, if you will, of all your marketing that you're doing and, and be able to do it that way and work out some kind of a win-win arrangement. And when they do that, they get that action right away. They get to work off your almost 20 years of, of reputation. And pretty soon they have a portfolio they can take great pictures of and then put on their website. And then they can come to your stone yard and buy stone to build their awesome project. So it's all about helping each other. So yeah. when they're scared, you know, they're like, well, who do I approach? How do I go take a look? I'm like, well, dude, you can go to a stone yard. You can go to a, a landscape facility like that and talk to them about who they recommend. Get on the recommended list. Talk to them. Take them out to lunch. Tell them you're passionate. You want to get going. You're excited. You want to do stuff. And then the next thing you know, they're going to start doing that because, you know, that's on the stone yard side. If you go to a, a local competitor, somebody who's doing the kind of stuff you hope to be doing in a few years, but they get phone calls. Like we get phone calls at our office all the time for people that want projects that we don't do like the patios and things like this, that we hand off to other people. We say, Hey, here, we're not going to be a good fit for you. We give them the graceful exit. Mm -hmm. And then we say, look, but you know, these three companies would be excellent choices for that. And then those three companies win because they all get the work and at least everybody gets something from it. So again, guys out there, a little nugget for you. If you're trying to get started and you haven't called me yet, that's your best way to get started in this industry quick. Cause guys like Mike and like Dwayne and I, there's projects that come in all the time that just aren't interesting to us. Cause our business model is a little bit different. Holy crap. All that stuff needs mm -hmm. to be built. So why not get on the, we'd be happy to hand it to you as long as you can show us that you're going to show up and take care of those customers. So we don't get a bad reputation for recommending you. Dude, it's all day long. We'd be sending you stuff. You'd be able to build your business in no time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Mike, I want to feed off that other question about the outdoor living. Um, one thing we're noticing here is that there's not enough outdoor living designers. Like there's a huge demand right now. And we're almost to the point where we just, we just can't just keep even keep up, mm -hmm. but we're also noticing that there's not enough outdoor living designers who even understand the architectural design. Are you seeing that too? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you know, some of these young cats, I always try to look at them. So they come in with cheaper prices, but the, but the project always looks like just a giant add on. It, it, you know, the, the finishes are nice, but compared to the house architecture, you can absolutely tell that was an add-on, an afterthought. Um, that's where these guys are really missing the boat and not blending in the design of the home and architecture with whatever they're building. Yeah. How are you handling those clients who are on the edge, who, who want it, but are a little afraid that the money is there? What are some of your techniques to handle them? Um, so the biggest thing is, is, is I'm very transparent up front with pricing. So, so it's usually not an issue with money. It's usually more of an issue of, are they going to invest uh, in their home or not? And so, and I come at it from an investment standpoint versus of this is going to cost this much. Um, it, you make yeah. it a win-win when you flip it over and you, yeah. you make it an investment conversation versus a cost conversation because then they know what they're going to get out of it, you know, and you want to get to the end goal, right? What, why, why are they wanting to build this space in the, in the first place? And so when you start coming from that approach, it completely changes their mindset. No doubt. No doubt. So again, almost 20 years in business and then COVID hits now, how has your business changed? What are some of the struggles you've had to manage in the last two years since this whole shit show started? <laughs> the biggest thing is, man, is labor shortages and materials. Wow. Boy, I tell you what, I've had some grill companies go to six months out yeah. right now. So if you, if you order the grill six months from now, you'll get it. Uh, and honestly, they don't care. They have yep. so many orders that if you cancel, great. The next person's going to get their order faster. They just, they just don't care. So, yeah, I mean, and labor with everybody building at home, you, you have a couple of different odd things happening in the labor market. You, you got the free government money, which is absolutely ridiculous. Should have been stopped a long time ago. Um, and then you have a generation that grew up in front of a computer instead of outside playing with their hands and climbing trees and digging holes and, um, so you have a generation really that's coming up and, and I see that as an opportunity for some of those young cats because they're not going to have the guys that are going to want to do construction. So construction is going to be even more in demand for those guys because there's not going to be that many people that want to do it. And so, um, so the few guys that were able to have the opportunity to like play outside and dig and run machines, nice. like I got my 12 year old's been running a wheel loader since he was six. I mean, those guys are going to just be, um, they're going to be in such demand because there's just not going to be enough people to do it. Um, and so that's where I, I, that labor shortages, that, that free government money is screwing it all up. But then you, you get this gen, gen Z, you know, um, you know, generation coming up as well. You know, Mike, I'm such a solutions guy. Like, even though I think the government, okay, they gave out too much money, but I, I, when I look at that as, as I don't even want to be political here, but as, as whoever that guy was, who was in charge, regardless if you like him or not, I think what they did throwing that money out there, I think is what saved the economy. 
Okay, but I don't think, you know, when you do government shit, you got to put like a timeline and okay, it's going to run to this day. I don't think they realized the vacuum, it was going to create that type of vacuum. So I don't even want to blame the government that they're throwing money, throwing money out, but they have to put dates. And I don't think there was a time to say, okay, now everybody's get back to work. Let's stop it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think they knew that. I think, I think we were running up against some shit that nobody knew about. Here's what I'm noticing too, though. And just, I, this was a segment to what's going on. Do you see that we're getting to more of a mechanized, um, construction field yeah. where there's there's more machines on absolutely 100 percent. not only that i just bought a a 2022 switch and go truck so I, i'm gonna have a bunch of beds and um i'm actually getting into the switch and go which basically is a you drop a dumpster or they even have a dump body bed they have a bunch of different beds that make it multi-purpose um just because of that uh, I actually custom built a uh, all-terrain uh, forklift trailer to pull behind it. So instead of sending three or four guys in a crew to go unload materials by hand, I'm sending a truck and a trailer and one person to unload it off that truck. And and not only that, they're conserving energy because they're not doing it by hand. And so that's I, I'm definitely seeing more mechanized, more mechanized, more technology. I, I try to stay on the cutting edge of all technology and. It hurts my bottom line sometimes just because I want to be that cutting edge guy. Um, but always constantly learning how to do new stuff is is really kind of the hard part. Um, but yeah, mechanized for sure. Machinery, equipment, specialty tools, um, the vacuum operators that go into excavators. I think, I think the biggest game changer this season has been an excavator. Um, Oh, I did not realize yeah. how handy yep. that excavator has been for Mike, my company. Mike, I could Unreal. shoot myself. It's uh, our head contractor. He does. Um, he he leaves the loader in the front yard. Doesn't even go in the backyard. And he has uh, two excavators and he different job sites. He has a big one and a smaller one. And what he does is he parks the excavator. We don't we don't even destroy. We could do a one hundred thousand dollar job and only destroy one foot around everywhere we're working. I mean, it's it's insane. So he uses the excavator, gets everything out, and then they have two buggies that are on tracks. So they he actually has three buggies. One is at another job site. Mm -hmm. So they load the buggies up. The guys drive the buggies to the front yard. They dump. And guess what the loader does in front? It dumps and loads the, the trailers and everything else. And if he didn't have the loader there, he can actually drive the excavator mm -hmm. to the front, put a bigger bucket on it, and load everything else from there. When I look back at myself, mm -hmm. I'm like, why the fuck? Did I buy that Bobcat? I mean, I was the proudest man you've ever seen in, in the world when I bought a Bobcat. But I look back like, why yeah. the fuck did I you buy an excavator? Yeah. Because that's where it is. No doubt. Yeah, Bobcats do more damage than they do good. And and I know exactly who you're talking about. And and uh, yeah. you talk about efficiency. That man is Absolutely. an efficient dude. He he is yeah. he is yeah. he does a million impressive. plus on one crew. Yeah, and, and him <laughs> yeah. and I this year are going. I don't even want to give the numbers. It's going to be but. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we were. <laughs> well, when you got a guy that can see a site like he does, and and walk yeah. it through in his head and visualize it, and then no put doubt. machinery efficiency yeah. to it. It's a game changer. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, it's, a no-brainer. So you mentioned about the, you know, the, the material shortages, labor shortages, and all that. How have you, you know, yeah. kind of adjusted your business to to handle these types of uh, problems that are coming down the pipeline? Like, how have you? What have you done to solve those problems for your business? 
So the biggest thing on labor shortages is um, we've actually gone to more of a sub only model. Um, so I have PMs that work for me um, and, and, and support staff, but then it's instead of having our own employees, we've gone to a sub only and then we've gone to a heavy machinery. So we have, we own all the efficient machines. So if a sub needs a machine, we have that efficient machine, but we're not the ones, you know, taking the hit on it if it, you know, once they give us a price, mm -hmm. they get it done. If they don't get it done on their time, they're the one taking the hit instead of us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And that's actually how we Same operate. Um, that way. Yeah, and how are you picking your uh, your subs? Like, what do you, what qualities are you looking for? Oh, just high quality. Period. I mean, guys that respond, um, guys that get in there and get after it. Um, you know, also guys that really take pride in their work, and that that's a kind of a a lost art that I, I really hope um, comes back and has a change. Yeah. I'm actually seeing it come back. I, I watch like Cruz and, and what he does. I'm seeing the passion that he's bringing out, not just within himself, but within the people who follow him. Uh, I am actually mm -hmm. looking for contractors within the group of, of who he, who follows him and you can start seeing some of the higher quality nets. So I'm seeing it come back because yeah. now I think, I think with us and podcast and, and what you guys are doing, I really think we're creating a movement of joy where people are now coming back to this, like, Oh wow. You, and then everybody says, Oh, now you can actually make some money because Dwayne and Josh are really showing people how to make some money at it. And I think people are coming back now like, Oh wow, I can pay my bills now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing this year that it, it caught me off guard. I mean, being honest, the, the, the rise in materials was a bigger hit this year because there was several jumps in material mm -hmm. cost. And I think a lot of these contractors were so scared to go up on their price that they just ate it. And, and I think at the end of this year, there's going to be some really um, hurting guys, you know, and they're going to say, man, I did a lot of work for not a lot of money because they were just scared to raise the price. Yeah, dude, I've seen that. And I've seen some of our subs do that. We've been an all sub model for over 10 years now. We, I joke because I'm like, I got a pickup truck that doesn't even have my name on it. We do millions a year in work, right? It's, I don't, I have a business card, but I have not one shirt with my name on it. So it's, it's, it's pretty impressive what you can do when you put your mind to it. But anyway, the point is that, you know, when it comes down to it, I have some subs that are like, look, uh, you know, hey, we bid this project six months ago and now we're building it now. So, you know, obviously prices have changed like nine times has been bumps, right? In, in paper price or whatever, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, what are we going to do about that? I'm like, well, I don't expect you to eat that. It's a customer's expense at that point. So we bring it back to the customer. They don't always like it, but you know, it's what it is right now. It's it's in our contract that says that our price is, is will fluctuate by the time we finish this project. That's the world we live in right now. If you want surety, I can add 10% to this and that'll be what it is. But I don't think you want that. I want to be honest with you and I want to be transparent. If I have additional costs, then I will pass them at cost to you. If I don't, then we stay exactly mm -hmm. as we are right now. And I have some of my subs that are like, you know what? We're going to eat it. We're going to eat all the costs. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you, just to your point, how do you eat all these costs? And you're like, we're losing money on projects. I'm like, that seems like a, it seems like a you problem right now, not a me problem. And I'm like, this is not how it has to be. I'm open to this yeah. kind of a conversation because I don't want to see you, because if you fold up and leave, then I've got to slow down and I don't like that either. So everybody loses when, when they lose. So customers should expect the fact that things are changing so fast that things aren't locked down. But some guys are just, nope, our pride is more important and, and they're just going to go, they're just going to take their whole business right around their arms and take it right into the fucking ground because their their entire margin, hopefully 10, 15% of the year is gone. You know what I mean? It's gone. 
because they won't change the mindset and that again it rolls all back to mindset and it's a fear what are they going to say are they going to give me a bad review are they not going to pay me i don't want confrontation fuck all that dude you've got this is the life or death of your business this is the life or death of your family's future yeah. of of your existence on this planet there's a lot riding on this you need to take this seriously and say you know what if there's costs that are out of my control not that you want to jack costs up and, and charge them more for the hell of it or be one of these clowns that are doing that out there it's more about dude these are things that happen and we just have to pass it on but make sure your contracts read that the price is a price as it is now but if things change it will be different at the end and if they don't want to sign that contract that means they don't trust you enough and you should just keep moving yeah I yeah, I actually have a absolutely. I've I've always said uh if I'm going to go broke I'd rather be sitting on my couch broke than working Amen. my butt off. Amen. And so. I think we've all we've all done that before. Like, you know, I mean, we're only here all talking the three of us and it sounds like Mike you've been there. I I know what it's like to work my ass off and at the end of the year I I'm actually in a worse position than I was when I started. Yep. Hell, I've had a couple jobs that I worked on and before the job was over I was in a worse position when I started. You know what I mean? Like Hell, I remember looking at the job one time I had a job go bad and we had to rip it all up and it cost me $4,000 to rip it up. And I'm looking at my mortgage. I'm like, which one do I pay? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you've been, we've all been there before. Um, the, the question actually I have, uh, this is for Mike and I want to load it up a little bit is, and it actually plays on what Joshua was saying. One of the rules that actually we have in our business and we implemented last year that one, I won't let a contractor cut a deal that's going to hurt them. I also look at, and I know you can't babysit this, but I also keep an eye on their financial structure as they're rolling through the job. And I make sure that not at any given time that they're burning themselves. So I'm actually protecting them. In that process, as we build, I would like to start having meetings with contractors and have classes. Are you guys at the size where you're implementing that now? Or is that something that you may look at in the future too? Yeah, I may look at that in the future because really just um... – building that that team around you that sub team that you want them to be financially healthy as well and being able to make money and feed their family and pay their equipment bills and um so that's that's definitely a model that we're we're working towards um and so we're this last year i've done nothing but work on processes and how that's going to work and and it's basically teeing up exactly what you're talking about you know we're going to be able to send out you know, RFPs to all these subs and then come back. And then that way we'll have things to gauge on it and, and then be able to, you know, be able to know this guy's just shooting himself in the foot. But if his quality's there, we could go, Hey, you know, you bid it at this, but we're going to pay you this for it. And, you know, building that relationship just builds relationships for, for life, yeah. especially. It actually just happened uh, where you're bidding a job or driveway. And, and obviously when you get to a certain size and numbers can go down and uh, my contractor gave me a number and I felt it was too low. I'm like, dude, you got to bump it up too. And he's, he's just quiet. Like really? Because that two, he bump was six mm -hmm. an extra $6,000. And I'm like, dude, I don't want you to lose because what I want you to do on this driveway, you can't just lay a paver driveway, buddy. Like we got heating elements going down. I got cell tech going in grid stabilizers going in. You can't give me that basic bullshit price because you're going to be, you're going to lose. And so I, ma I made him bump it up another 6k you mean and like who does that you mean like any yeah. any ripoff yeah. artists or, or not ripoff artists yeah. but most business people don't be like okay i just made an extra 6k off that i'm like there's just no way i can live with that and i actually i actually learned those little processes from josh like yeah, he operates sure. on this such a um, uh, an honest based system not saying i wasn't honest before but he pays attention to that and i i've learned that and it rubbed off on me now now i i will bump my prices up now josh will kind of keep 
If I see a window to, to crank them up, I'm cranking them up. That's the only difference about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like cranking my uh, change orders have been a godsend this year. And uh, I think change orders is something I'm going to really focus on moving forward because you already have it. And, and the deal is what the change order is. Yeah. You don't have the time to plan for that change order. So that should mm -hmm. be a higher percentage markup than your normal job. Yeah. Not only that, it throws your whole schedule off. It throws your whole week off. And so that yeah, should no, be a higher percentage. How do you handle that, by the way? Let's roll right into that. How do you handle change orders, by the way? So all my change orders, so we give them a price. So I, I use Builder Trend. I don't know if y'all use that software, but love it. Been a game changer for my business. Um, all of it is automated. So I can, on my phone, I can write on their job, do a change order, send it to them. They get it right there on their phone. They literally sign their signature right there, and I bill it out. That change order yeah. gets paid before we do it. So I don't leave. That's the biggest thing a lot of guys make mistakes on. Leave all the change orders to the yeah. end, and then customers are going to want to negotiate with you. And, and that's not – they sign that. It needs to be paid ahead of time, not on the back end. And so – Yep, no, I agree. Because they always forget about that shit, don't they? Oh, always. They forget about that $25,000 of extra stuff and then tongue and groove ceiling that they fell in love with on HGTV the night before that it was going up and they wanted to change it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is a huge pain in the ass. Your contractor's like, where am I going to find this stuff? Especially now. Right. And you got to find the stain. You got to stain it, put it up. Everything's off. The schedules get thrown off and you're doing it for the same margin. Yeah. All that no. extra work and the... No, it doesn't make sense. So those are, that's a nice little honeypot, if you will, in the project where, because there's so much more demand of your team uh, that you can, you can capitalize on that a bit more. And it's just what it is. And if they say no, then they just don't do it. Well, that's and I really have right? thought and put a lot of thought to going to a contingency uh, model as far as a 10% contingency built mm -hmm. into the budget from the beginning. Just go, hey, look, this just being transparent with them. Most of my clients add, you know, quite a bit of stuff once they start seeing things rolling and their brain starts working and they know how they're going to use it and just build in that 10% contingency contingency fee into the budget. So it's not such a big hit, you know, on the back end when they do get hit with all the change orders that you told them that they were going to do. Yeah. yeah I mean, change orders for us is, is they come here and there, but we found, uh, I mean, I can say this easily for the last 10 years, we get very few changes on projects. Uh, because we go to the depth of design and all that stuff. I know you design as well, but mm -hmm. you know the 3D design is so spot on and we have all the things they could possibly want to adjust all already identified in that design if we want to show them a different ceiling. We're, we're, before that contract's even inked, we're showing them different samples. They're picking from those things. Like when we go into most projects, 99% of them, they go exactly the way that the design was exactly to contract. And there's no changes except for maybe lawn restoration at the end because we put in an allowance for that. We don't know how many square foot's going to get beat up. We don't know if it's going to be dry or wet. Like we never know what that's going to be. So we put in a, an allowance for X amount of square feet at this price. Anything above will be billed, right? So that we can keep that as a flexible entity. But everything else, we typically nail it. So I'm, I'm actually very happy we don't have a lot of clients that are adjusting things along the way because that can be nerve wracking as hell. But we still have some. We still have some, but uh, normally by the time we get to that point, there's very little change. Dwayne, how does that work for you? How have you felt that to be? Wow, uh, Josh, we actually get a change order almost every single job. Um, oh, wow. And I, I actually just had an aha moment from what Mike is saying because my systems and prices are already pretty much preloaded. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it so much easier. So if somebody asks for some extra square footage or something, I just plug them in, boom, 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 done. And, and we do do the change order. As soon as it happens, boom, boom, it's all yeah. done. But I wasn't doing an extra markup for change orders because, man, we just had one where we just added some pillars for a client and we couldn't even find the damn things. Then we finally got them. It was more price. Now, I was able to add the more price in there. But I didn't add the higher markup for yeah. just what it did and the slowdown and the changes and things like that. So, man, I just had, matter of fact, fuck it, podcast over. Aha moment. <laughs> Everybody just hears. <laughs> yeah. Get out and change that yeah. system, man. Make that three or four or five, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the you- name of the that's the name of the podcast. Fucking change orders. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love it. There's a guy with a, a go fast boat. Um, he runs on the circuit like I'm like those are, and his boat's name is Change Order. <laughs> I heard of that dude, man. I, yeah. I heard of that guy. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I heard of that guy. And his boat is called Change Order because that's yep. where he makes his money. Change Order. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So then the goal yeah. would be more Change Orders, right? So well, you keep so it vague. The, so the deal on Change Orders are if if they say no to the higher price, you're still winning because you stay on your schedule and you get that project done. Yep. And that's where I struggle because I always want them to have the best project ever. Yeah. But they got to pay for it. Yeah. And and so but if they say no because that higher margin, then you're still on schedule. You're still knocking your stuff out. They're yep. still going to have a good experience, but you you can't discount yourself um by by lowering your margin on it cuz it does take way more man hours, way more time, way more resources. It's a pain in the butt. It is. Yeah. We we hired a consultant to, uh, when we had the paper patio business, they, they came into our business and they actually said, you guys are so bad, you need to shut down. I mean, it was it was sort of uh, like a, uh, I think we both cried after it was over. It was really sort of scary. Like, you guys are, <laughs> you guys are bad, you need to shut down. And uh, my <laughs> wife and I, we, we stayed in and actually made millions after they came in for what they taught us. Because, you know, they were doing by the computer. Like, if we were living life like this, I wouldn't want to go any further. And I'm looking like, this is my only way, I'm going to take it. And actually, from the day they left, we had never created any more debt. And we turned all the debt around. We created, I mean, I think we were like at 2.8 by the time they came in and we had hit 6 million like total after that. So it it was freaking amazing. But one thing they said that we had to fix and it was very crucial was the change order. And that was our problem. Like the problem was at the end of the year, they said we were losing between 700 and $1,200 per job, every single job. And it totaled out to be 55 to $58,000. And every year I was fucking short. 48 or $42,000. Like that's like, it wasn't, I couldn't even pay for my life. Like all that, all that money I was giving away. And what he said was, he said, all I need you to do is every time you sell a job, go to the grocery store and just give somebody 1200 bucks. Cause that's all you're doing. So instead of, instead yeah. of you giving it to the client, just give it to some random person that you don't know. You yeah. mean, give them 1200 bucks. Yeah. Cause that's what you're doing. And that hit me like bow. And so now we don't mess around on change orders. Yep. Yep. That's that's important. And you see some, you have some clients that we just had one the other day that was talking about, uh, you know, we're doing a large project, three, four hundred thousand dollars, whatever. And there, there's concrete that has to be jacked up the front walkway. It was just a home, just brand new, like just just built. Why these people do it this way, I don't know. But that was part of their package. So now they're going to pay us thousands of bucks to rip all this concrete out, and get it in dumpsters, recycle it, do all of that stuff, right? And she she says to uh, to Joe, she's like, so. Um, can you just, you know, since we're spending all this money, can you just, uh, you know, take care of that? Can you just take and some bushes I need trimmed on the side. Can you just add that in too? And Joe's like, our price is our price, and and you know, it, 
people don't work for free, but this idea in this industry, especially that, oh, you're there. I mean, what's a little extra sweat? I mean, it's not that big a deal. I could do it if I had the time, right? This is the kind of mentality some of your clients come to you with and you got to stand your fucking ground. You got to be like, nope, if my shovel moves or my machinery moves, it's going to cost you. Now you don't have to gouge them. But if, if you let that yeah. start to slide, you're going to have yourselves one hell of a headache at the end when you go to collect your final payment. They're like, well, could you just do this little extra thing? And my garden needs weeding. Can you take care of that too? And my shoes need shining. Can you take care of that too? And it's this whole bullshit, right? So I, I, I created a metaphor. I thought it was kind of interesting. It was like, tell, next time that happens, and I can't wait for somebody to call me and tell me that they've done this. Next time that happens or somebody says, can they get a freebie or some extra stuff added in bonus because they're just awesome people and their money buys more apparently than everybody else's. So next time, Say, when you go to the grocery store, Mrs. Jones, and you walk in the front doors and you grab two shopping carts, right? You go to the first shopping cart and you fill that whole shopping cart full of food. And then you grab the other shopping cart and you throw a couple of expensive pieces in there, a couple of things, whatever, half a cart, doesn't matter. You walk up to the register and you're like, all right, register lady, I'm going to buy all this stuff in the front cart here, no problem. But I'm only going to buy it if you give me the second cart for free. How effective do you think that's going to be at the supermarket? You're going to say, get the fuck out of here, dude. You can't buy all of it. Get the hell out. That's the angle and the attitude we need to come from in this industry and stop giving shit away. Because when you do that, all the rest of us have to deal with that mentality as well. And you're not helping the industry out. You might be helping one thing, like one, one project out, but it keeps happening. And then you wonder why you can't make margin at the end of the year. You wonder why you're going project to project because you're giving your shit away. You don't respect yourself enough to say no. My time is worth my billable rate, and that's what it's going to be. There's just, there's no way around that. And it's, again, not about gouging people. It's about being, and it's not about being nice or not being nice either, right? You can be nice and be like, yeah, sure, we can easily add that in. It's going to take me a few more hours, maybe about 200, 300 bucks to do that. Would you like to add it in? And just leave it at that. And if they don't respect that, you shouldn't be working with them. Got a question for you, Mike. How often does that happen to you? And then how often do you let it slide and don't? Got to be honest. So being honest, that's, you know, I'm preaching to myself here because it does happen, but we are getting better at it. But it is true. I mean, the mindset of giving stuff away for free, you might as well be taking time from your family, time from your friends, time from your hobbies that you like to do. I mean, that's what they're asking you to do. It, it is really, I want your time on this earth for free because I gave you business and that that's not fair yeah i i was i tell my wife all the time and i said you got i said it's not that they know it and it's not that they're they're out to do it i said it's just um let me see if i can break this down um faith is what you make it and sin is what you believe in okay so whatever you see your parents do i don't care if your your mom and dad are bank robbers you as a child will grow Mm -hmm. up to think bank robbing is okay because you saw them do it you think it's okay and so what i always tell my wife is you have to pay attention to the clients i said because they're they're they're, they'll cheat from you they'll steal they're thieves and they don't realize Mm -hmm. it so it's it's not like they're waking up saying i'm gonna fuck wayne over i'm gonna steal from him but it's become a culture like who walk who can walk into a dealership and say hey i want to see your invoice okay we think that's normal Mm -hmm. but that's not normal that that dealership needs to make money i mean they got bills to pay they got lights Mm -hmm. to pay they got pens and phones they got to be able to close those deals computers and everything but who the fuck do we think we can just walk in there and say give me your invoice because i want to buy the car for what you paid for it it's bullshit but it's one of those things that we think it's okay and clients think it's okay um how do you got when you see that coming do you have any procedures that you mean helps you deal with that not really so the biggest thing i always ask clients is you know 
if I asked you to go to work tomorrow for free, you know, I'm going to slash your salary, but for by 20%, I mean, what would you say to that? And once they were able to process that and, and kind of walk that through, they're like, yep. okay, yep. I understand. And, and, uh, and usually they move forward. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we try not to give anything away for free because it just kills your, not only that, those same customers that want it for free are always going to be the same customers that are going to complain, complain that the yep. job's taking too long. Right. So, so I have a, a perfect example. I had a client add like $30,000 in change orders. And then a week later, send us a hot text message to me and all our PMs that, this job's taking too long. This is this, this is that. And we're like, you just added $30,000 yeah. in change orders that you just because you approved it doesn't mean it's happening tomorrow. There's planning. There's all sorts of stuff that there's backlogs. All the contractors are backlogged. So we'll do everything we can do to get that. But the original timeline is also changed because of those so changes. It impacts the entire project for sure. No, I mean, it's definitely some awesome stuff here. Now, I have one one final thought that I want to run through before we finish up here. You mentioned it earlier, and I know Dwayne and I are very passionate about this, and I know you are too, client experience, right? How has that changed in the last 10, 15 years, the, the whole concept of giving a shit about what your clients are thinking, how you're addressing it, how you're hitting their their hot buttons, how you're hitting their life effects? Like, how 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 has our customers become more sophisticated and expecting a better customer experience. So I think all that goes down to front end work. Um, I used to vet my clients pretty well, but once I, once I really implemented the outdoor living um, class that you, that you have, um, it, it took it up to another game. So what I've realized, I'll give you a perfect example. I had an attorney, um, I, I designed his job, gave him a price, $200,000 job really nice people and him and his wife. And, and he's like, Hey, send me your contract. I want to go through it. I'm like, great. It's an attorney. That's what they do. I thought he was going to redline that contract and just kind of go, I want this change and this change and just go through it. And like, which he's an attorney. That's his job. He sent mm -hmm. me his own contract. And so my response to him was not only am I not going to put my company in that liability, but now our company is not even going to complete this shop, even if you sign my original contract, because you're setting my company up for failure. Yeah. And, and that's not fair to the people that I pay, you know, you know, their livelihood, they pay their rent, their mortgage, their cars. You know, I'm not going into something handcuffed to a timeline to whatever you want to create in your favor. And so just vetting these clients, I mean, you should have seen his face when I told him I'm not doing his $200,000 job. He, I mean, yeah. I'm sure he slept on the couch for about two months after that because his wife was <laughs> pissed. So yeah. Tw yeah. what year is it right now, Mike? What year is it right now? Subtract how many, how many years ago um, is 2013? Eight. Yeah. Uh, eight. I just, I just settled last year, a $10,000 lawsuit from that bullshit that I did. I had a client who was a big job, 160, 170,000. And he sent me his contract and I, <laughs> I signed it like a dummy. 
It actually released the business through to me as a person. I hope the fuck he's listening to this podcast because he's the biggest piece of shit on this earth. Um, and he followed me through social media too. He went to court and everything, but he's the biggest piece of shit. He went through my old business, which is Paverstone, came through me personally because that's the way I signed it. Um, felt that he gave me too much money for the job and turned around and sued me for 10K. That the lawsuit was small, but the attorney that he hired was following my life, was attaching. I mean, they they wanted a judge to give me all kind of stuff. I had to hire this high-priced powered attorney, it's like 600 bucks an hour, to just knock it off and get this whole thing settled. I finally got it stopped. I got it settled. I'm sticking it up nice. his ass right now. And I hope he's listening Good. right now as he's speaking because the energy, I know that last check he's going to fall over because he cheated the hell out of me. But this is what the hell happened because, and you know what the problem was? There was a code in there that said, I'm, he's not liable for the swimming pool company. And what happened was the swimming pool company mm. showed up four months late. By that time, I was already, I couldn't, I mean, equipment's gone back. We had two excavators on rental. I mean, it was a big job. I mean, by that time, I, I had to get that stuff back. Like, I'm not going to sit here and wait for this. And then I waited for almost a month and a half with these machines on rental because these guys kept saying they were going to, they lied to him 14 times and he never held them accountable, mm, but he held me for it. Yeah, I, I, that would be a big advice. Never let somebody change your contract. If they don't want to sign it, then yep. they're not, never. they're not your client. You know, and that, there's such power. Yeah. You know, you guys out there listening, there's such power in telling a client no. Such power in that and not from an egotistical trip kind of bullshit. I'm talking about a pride within yourself. We've had clients and couple this year who think their money is greener and more valuable than everybody else's. And they're demanding timeframes. They're demanding this, they're demanding that. And when they start demanding, we say, well, hey, if this isn't good enough, there's other people that can serve you. And mm -hmm. the second you do that, all that leverage they thought they had, because they're gonna spend $200,000 with you. These people are gonna do whatever the hell I said. They're gonna jump as high as I tell them to jump. They're gonna you know, sing whatever song I tell them they're gonna sing because I'm spending $200,000 with these guys and that's the way it's gonna work. And when you say, nope, not how it works. We've got enough work. I don't need, I don't need your money, right? It, it, it changes the game. You talk about pissing people off. It is the most amazing feeling when you can just say, guys, look, that's not how we roll. We have clients that are like, hey, you know what? I'm a, an architect or I'm a this or I'm a that. I want to see all the costs associated with the project. I want to know what your labor rates are and all this kind of stuff. And I say, you can have that from somebody else. I trust my mm -hmm. guys. This is what we do. You don't get any of that stuff. And if that's a deal breaker, then there's the door. And they, they're like, 90% of the time, I'd say 90, because it's not always the case. 90% of the time, they're like, oh, okay, I figured I'd try. And then off they go with the project, you know what I mean? But they feel like it's the, their, their obligation to find these things out. And I'm like, the one guy, the first time I was ever asked that, I'm like, so if I showed you my, all my costs, which I don't have anyway, because my subcontractors give me a, a closed bid for it, right? So I was like, if I showed you all that stuff and you saw $35 an hour, let's say, for a general labor, what are you going to do about that? You're going to tell me I'm only going to pay 33 Like, what what information does that even help you with? Or materials, how do you, are you going to go out and price my materials for me? I'm like, that's not going to happen. I absolutely have no interest no. in that whatsoever. So it's a hard no. But I don't tell them no. I said, sure, you can have that with another company. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to be right. Us. Two things I want to close this off on. First one. Why the fuck did we do this podcast on like video? Because Mike has enough <laughs> alcohol behind him that we could have been getting <laughs> fucked up right now. Like, damn, Josh, pay attention, man. We could have yeah, been over exactly. at Mike's house chilling, dude. 
Like it, it doesn't cost nothing to fly to Dallas. I mean, God dang, Mike, that's a hell of a <laughs> bar, bro. I've been sitting here the whole time, and I'm not even really an alcoholic, but I'm salivating <laughs> like shit. I like good whiskey. <laughs> nice. So. You and me both, yeah. Man, I, I see. Anyway, uh, I, I want to end, uh, Mike. How can people find you? Like, what information? Like, what websites? What information? Like, and 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 in the mentoring style. Like, the one thing that Joshua and I are working on. He says <laughs> one million. I say two million. But we're trying to affect in between one million and two million in the next five years. We want to affect contractors and help change. You seem like a dope ass guy and a very great guy that you can help mentor some younger. You mean guys coming through? How can they find you and how can they reach out to you yeah, on the mentor? Absolutely. Mentoring side? So they can hit us up on Facebook, uh, HillmanOutdoorLiving.com, uh, also BigTechStone.com. My email is Mike at HillmanOutdoorLiving.com. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, they can just shoot me an email and uh, we can touch base. But I, I'd love to really just give some nuggets to this young, younger generation and and have this industry really just build out like crazy and then we're all sitting around having a glass of nice whiskey here in about 10 years going wow like this industry has just changed so much so um but i do really appreciate y'all having me on the show and um love getting together with just like-minded people and uh, i'm excited for what the industry has to have has, has to happen yeah so. absolutely brother thank you for being on and uh, i love you sharing your passion all these great nuggets is just a lot of good stuff i'm even writing notes here too i mean i love it so uh, that's the best part of all of this <laughs> so like uh, Dwayne mentioned you know somewhere between one and two million people will impact in the next five years uh but it's not going to happen without your help guys if you like what you hear in this podcast and uh you want to hear more of it please share it with your friends think of two or three people in your life that could you know help uh, that this could help this type of information and please share it with them because we're we're out on a mission to change the industry and like mike said we all want to sit back in 10 years and look at across the landscape of this no pun intended landscape industry and uh and say you know what people are fighting to get into this industry now not being looked down upon because they're landscapers or hardscapers or laborers or god forbid they work with their hands but being like how do i get my kid to 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 become part of this this environment how do i myself get out of my nine to five and get into this because i see the passion i see the excitement i see the lives that are being changed how can we make that happen that's the industry i see in 10 years and when we're all sitting back at mike's office there having a nice nice uh you know shot of whiskey we can look back and say you know what all of us together the one to two million plus people that we're going to impact can all work together to make that happen so we can all be super proud of the industry that we started in. absolutely